Thank you for listening to part three of Made for Missions with Pastor Mel Perry. This week, Pastor Mel talks about her efforts to learn about the people and places she is called to. Learn how her efforts have increased her effectiveness and allowed her anointing to flow and build strong foundations and break yokes. Tweet and post about the podcast by using the hashtag PastorJDO3 or JDO3Podcast. And now, part three of Made for Missions with Pastor Mel Perry. When I was at Union, there was uh, two uh, African brothers there that were in school as well. And they just had this like attitude, like brother, <laughs> like why y'all mad at us? We ain't did that. <laughs> and um, what he said to me, he said, um, Americans uh, ruined our, our community. And I'm like, well, what did we do? And first of all, why am I included? <laughs> like really? <laughs> but what he said was that um, the marriages were affected in the community because American mm. brought cable television and cable mm. television introduced pornography. Right. And he said before that, there was none of that in their community and their marriages were a lot safer. Mm. And so I was like, wow. And so it's like, we may quote unquote make it here, get the money, get the degree or whatever. But that sense of community, that family, uh, that mm-hmm. spiritual groundedness uh, yeah. that, that some of our brothers have that come from other places, that have had to use their faith towards more than tangible things yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that have found joy in the spiritual things and not right. just the financial things. Right. Uh, that is something that we're missing. Not all of us, but uh, yeah. some of us are missing and, and that could be a challenge. How has the mission uh, trips affected your, your view on uh, humanity, uh, and also when you're preaching the gospel, how does that translate when you're preaching? Okay, that is really good. Um, I think a lot of people struggle. A lot of people want to go and do, you know, preach in other countries. It's something you can brag on. You know, the people are like I've preached in 53 other countries and such and such. Um, a lot of people. They enjoy the American preaching um, in Africa, especially the black people. And half of the time, they won't even understand what we're saying, but they just love the sound of it. Um, you know, they, they'll, they'll ask me, now, what did he say? And I'm sitting like, how did you just get excited? But you don't know what he said, you know, um, really. And, um, but I think about something of, friend of mine said to me, he was like an uncle, and he's responsible for me actually being able to go to Kenya. And my father was responsible for him actually going to Africa, to South Africa, but he knew I wanted to go to Kenya. So that that's a whole nother story. But um, he was in Kenya and he had gone to minister to the Maasai people. And so they are, they are inland, the Maasai people. And so he was talking to them and he was preaching and he was preaching about, I don't know if it was when when Jesus told Peter to come and walk on the water or if it was when they're going to the other side and they're in the boat. But anyway, he's talking about what's happening with the water and the boat and he's, he's going on and he said the people were looking at him like, what in the world? 
And so he turns to the interpreter because he's that kind of, he was that kind of person. Unfortunately, he was murdered in South Africa, but he was that kind of person that he would just stop and say, okay, now why do you people looking at me all crazy? Yeah. So he, <laughs> he turned to the interpreter and he's like, okay, why, why are these folks looking at me like this? And the guy says, well, they're trying to imagine that kind of water. They've never seen that. They don't have any comprehension of that because of this group of people. Now that wouldn't apply to all Africans, but in this case, it was different. And so he was stuck trying to find, okay, well, what's another analogy I can can work with them um, in doing? And sometimes as Westerners, you have to really, one of the things I do, let me just put it this way. One of the things I always do is when I, before I go to any country, and I don't know where this came from, I, I would have to say that this is something God put into me before I went on mission trips, um, that this is just something he placed, placed into my understanding, that if you're going to be effective because you're not going on one or two trips, this is going to become a part of your life. And he put in me that I learn a place before I go. So the first time I went to Kenya was in 2003. We'd gone to South Africa and then we flew up to Kenya. And I was telling this apostle that was with us, you know, about Kenya. And I was like, this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. So we got there and he says, wait a minute. So, so you've been here before. And I said, no, I've never been. This is my first time just like you. And he looked around, he says, but you, you described this place. You knew, and I said, yeah, for me, it wasn't like odd because it was like I knew God had called me at that season to Kenya and to a particular group of people. But what I did is I spent years learning Kenya and learning about Kenya, whether it was through movies, um, researching it. And that was still the early days. It's hard to believe that 2003 was still kind of early days of the Internet getting information. But I would learn things about it. Thanks to the BBC, I, I'm a huge BBC person. Um, they would often have the BBC and there would be broadcasts from Kenya. So I learned how their voices sound and I would learn different things. So I've done that, I've applied that with everything. So when I go to minister to places or in places, I'm able to minister to the culture because you can go into Kenya and if I go in Nairobi, I can almost kind of be American because they're so westernized. They've watched so much, so many Western pastors. They even there, they have mega churches there and they have fashioned themselves after our congregations. So you can almost get away with, you know, if you give in this offering, because they do that sometimes. But when you're going into those far reach places, you have to understand what's going on in this time. And I'll give an example. I was in Panama once. Um, had a good friend, a good friend of mine, her family's from Panama. She was born in Panama, uh, but grew up in Chicago and her two sisters were born in Chicago. And so she married a Panamanian who has a heart for his country and he goes back and he does um, crusades and different things. So they had to pick us up in Panama City and they lived in Cologne. Um, they, they have a house there rather. And so we're driving, everybody's knocked out because we get in in the evening and it's probably like eight or nine o'clock. So as we're driving, everybody's asleep. And I don't go to sleep if, if everyone else is sleeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, and it was raining too. Oh, no, 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 no. I was in an accident where my dad fell asleep at the wheel on vacation. Oh. So I, nah, I don't do that. So I started talking to him and we're engaging and I'm talking about Panama and we're talking. And so when he got home and he was in the room with his wife, he says, so 
so Mel's been to Panama before. And she's like, no, baby, she's never been here. This is the first time. He's like, no, 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 no. She's been to Panama. She knows all about Panama. And she said, oh, no, 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 baby. That's just her. She doesn't go into a country before she learns about that country. And so I was able to talk about the politics that's going on in the country at that time, the the economic status of the country. So even that Sunday when I ministered, the altar call was packed and it was a very large congregation. They had a balcony. I had to keep saying, okay, we'll wait, we'll wait, because people were just flowing out of the balcony. Um, the pastor wasn't, I, I was already warned that the pastor gets a little jealous of people if they can pull in the, the people, you know, after service or after at the altar call. But people were coming to the altar and afterwards they were like, oh my God, you're prophetic, you're prophetic. And I said, no, I'm just in tune with where you are. And that's not to diminish the prophetic. I believe God can give us a prophetic message um, for the people, but we also have an assignment to know who we're talking to. You can't just go into a country and just start rattling off if you don't know who those people are. You don't know, it's like, um, you know, if you go to the doctor and they don't ask you any questions about your family, you just walk in there and say, okay, I need you to fix me. Well, he needs to know some things about you. They wanna know some things about your family history. There's some, some background. When you go to school, you go to university, there's usually that orientation course that you take so that you know what you're getting into. And the same thing is if you're going to really do missions work and be effective, you're really, and even if it's just a one-time trip, if you're going to go and preach a real word to the people that's going to sustain them, you have to learn who these people are. Well, I think you what you're saying also could translate here <clears throat> in that, uh, sometimes we're so out of touch with the people and what they're going through that we're not even touching where they're itching, you yeah. know? And so I, I think that's a, a lesson for us today to be more in touch, to spend more time with. Uh, and one of the things, you know, and we've talked about this, one of the things that I believe uh, requires intimate time is discipleship. Right. Uh, and so does your experience in missions and preaching the gospel uh, impact you, impact the way you disciple people here uh, in the States? Hmm. I think when I worked with young people, it did. Um, and probably still now when I'm, when I do, cause I have a small group that I work with and it probably does. I think probably I've been doing it so long that I may not pay attention. Um, but I know one thing, I'm always wanting to make sure that people really understand. Yeah. Well, that's what I was aiming at because I know when we were both youth pastors, you, to, to touch those young people, you have to know the songs they're listening to. You have to know the slang words. You, you have to be in touch with them in order to touch them. Yeah. And, and I think you have to, you have to be willing to slow down and make sure people really understand what you're saying. And so the the intellectual preaching doesn't always work when you're trying to be that great, you know, I wanna be whoever the person, I won't use names, but whoever that person you may, um, who may mentor you from afar, that person that you appreciate their ministry gift, it probably isn't going to work there. Um, I've preached at uh, leopard camps me telling them that God's getting ready to bring you out is <laughs> is not going to work um, because more than likely they're not about to have any great financial thing happen yeah. for them. 
and it becomes more about relationship. Um, how do you fight spiritual warfare? Realizing that your prayers really matter, that you matter to God, that you're important, that God can work through you, that God can speak through you. You don't have to be um, educated for God to use you. And it's those very simple messages. And I'll tell you this, that oftentimes when you're ministering those messages, it ministers back to you because you start to see those people, how they grab it. And it just brings such joy to them then you start to think, you know what, you know, I matter too to him and he really cares about me and um, what he has for me, it's going to be different than for them. You know, they may be on a different level, but even though I'm coming up, there are some times I need to still know that, hey, God has so much more for you. And so, yeah, I I think maybe it has um, helped me to be better at at discipling and, and more intentional and wanting to see results um, and building long-term, um, building long-term relationships. That's the thing for me. I'm not one of those people who, who's trying to hit so many countries. I go to the same countries and the same places over and over and over again and build relationship and build credibility with people. Um, I've been invited to ministries. People didn't know me. You know, they're like, okay, well, this person recommend you. And then the next thing, it's like, okay, are you coming next year? Are you doing this? And it's always a blessing also when you see the fruit of your labor. Well, that's that's discipleship though, that, that building of relationship. And I think that's yeah. one of the things that's missing in the way we do things here as a Western church is, uh, I've always said it's a mistake to try to disciple from the pulpit. Like mm-hmm. you can't disciple people from from 10 arm lengths away. Right. At some point, you're gonna have to break bread. You're gonna have to visit a house. You're gonna have to go to that school or, or do whatever. And you're gonna have to get to know them so that you can actually help them to gain some understanding and, and find that freedom in the gospel. And that's really the African way. They, you know, engagement is really with them. And um, there have been times when I will preach and then you go, home and all these people come over to the house and they're still talking about it and then they're saying well how do we do this and how do we do that and I remember once a a, a congregation brought me in to do leadership training and I was sort of like I don't know do I know how to do it and I told my mom I was like I don't know what to do and she's like no you're well trained but I'm thinking yeah but leadership training in Africa is a bit different than leadership training in the state and what i found out i probably am not qualified for leadership training in the states but i am very qualified over there and i remember going back a few years later and maybe a two years later and the pastor says i want you to see something so i went and and they were in this really small building and tin and everything and it was just a very typical dirt floor um poles little wooden poles in, in the tin and stuff and he says, I want you to see something. So we're walking to the church and I'm like, well, didn't we just pass up the church? And we keep walking down this road and then we turn down this other road and I see this big white building. And I was like, oh, that's a nice big building. He's like, oh, I said, oh, that's a church. And he's like, yeah, that's our church. And I was like, oh, great. And he says, yeah, this is a result of your teaching. And I was like, well, I didn't teach about a building program. But for them, it was a result because I taught them how to grow their ministry and how the ministry to grow the people 
And that's what caused them to have this new facility. Now they've got this nice big facility. And I was like, okay, that, you know, like, okay, maybe the, the leadership thing that I was kind of concerned about, I may be more equipped for it. And I think that's that's the blessing that God gives, us, gives to us. When we don't feel adequate enough, we have to lean on him. And so I really had to lean on him. And that was the first time I did leadership teaching. Um, I had to learn to really lean on him to say, okay, guide me in how I teach these individuals. And there are things that I'm able to teach them that over here, we like, yeah, I don't, I don't like that. I don't, I don't want to get, because it means that we have to make certain sacrifices that they're already willing to make. You know, they are willing to forego things that we don't want. I mean, like, think about the Daniel fast that many yeah. churches are on right now. <laughs> yeah, we're doing you know, it too. Yeah. We're like, um, I don't, oh, don't want to go that bread. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to give up. But for them, it's like, well, that's just secondary. Yeah. You know, if, I'll if this is what up. I need to give up mm-hmm. to get here with God. Fine. Yeah. Count it yeah. done. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you will find people will pray all night. It's common especially in Kenya, East Africa, I'll say Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, it's very common for them to have Friday night prayers every Friday night and to find young people. And I'm not talking about like, okay, we'll pray from six to seven. I'm talking about like six to three in the morning or four in the morning or, and young people, I've had meetings with the young people like, oh, you know, the other group wanted to be here, but they couldn't because we were having, they call it Kesher or Kesher. They were having Kesher in uh, at the college in Mombasa and blah, blah, blah. So they couldn't be here. And I'm like, oh, okay. And they won't get back until about four this morning or such and such. And so it's very common to meet these people who are really, really passionate. And they, they build these ministries and these congregations that are thriving in places that you would say, oh, you can't thrive a ministry here. You can't build a ministry here. And I've seen it. I've seen that you can be, like I was saying, I've, I've ministered in a leper camp. And the first time I went there, um, the guy, he had a little clinic. I didn't even know him. In fact, the pastor that I did the first leadership teaching, which is on the border of Kenya and Uganda, it's called Busia. He told me about this young man that had gone to uh, the coast, which is the east of Kenya. And so uh, I wind up going to his ministry a couple of years later. And so when I went, they had this clinic. It was under a tree and they were treating lepers. And it was it was an experience I will never forget. It was a life changing experience. And they had this little bitty um, congregation. It was like, OK, that's nice. Um, I went back. What was it? four years ago and they had a whole complex now they had land um prior to that trip i've gone before they have a whole garden they have a greenhouse they have a school they have a training school for, for women where they teach them how to sew and make things they have a clinic like a building with the clinic and they've got the machines and everything um, their congregation is big, bigger, their building. I mean, just the things that they have. Um, and the guy is probably, he's younger than my sister, so I think he may be around 36 or something like that, him and his wife. And they built and established this thing that you would say, in this place, it can't thrive. But God gave him a vision 
And it was like, you don't have anything to lose by praying and investing in this vision. And the place where he, um, it, I think the name of the place was like, the, the uh, meaning was something like um, the forgotten place or it was something really sad because these were lepers. And he said, we're gonna name, we're gonna call this place Blessed Camp. And so he went in and he just changed the name. He didn't even go there to be a pastor. He went there just, someone had told him about these lepers and he went to show them a film one Sunday. And he went back to Mombasa because that's where he was living and working. And this is just maybe about an hour outside of Mombasa. And somebody came and told him the next week, you know, the people were waiting for you under the tree. He was like, what? So he just started going back. He had a congregation that he was worshiping with. He was a part of a ministry, a very thriving kind of what we would say mega kind of church um, that he was a part of. And he was he was enjoying it. He wasn't the pastor, but he was a young man. Him and his wife were serving there. And they had, you know, they were building up the clout and being able to, you know, be a part of this ministry. And he felt the call and he went there and God has just blessed him and prospered him. And at the same time, God has given him influence, not just amongst the ministers and churches there in the Mombasa area, but with people in Europe, um, people here in the States. So just yielding to God, you know, and being willing to make those sacrifices that we, we act like they're struggles. Um, they oftentimes, they, back to that other question, are, are we better off or they're better off? Sometimes they're better off because they, they know how to trust God and they walk into success in a way that we, we just, you know, we have to work it. They just have faith and it, they begin to put the plan together. Thank you for listening to part three of Made for Missions with Pastor Mel Perry. Next week, we invite you to continue the dialogue and join this discussion as Pastor Mel talks about the faith of those worshiping in Africa and the impact of the seed of the word in their life. Hear about their prayer meetings and feel the move of the spirit by listening to Pastor Mel's recollections of her missionary journeys. Tweet and post using the hashtag PastorJDO3 or JDO3 Podcast to join this great discussion. We'll see you next week for part four of Made for Missions with Pastor Mel Perry.